Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is very excited about the start of the Big Brother season, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing? I'm doing fabulous, uh, and you know, that is right. And if if the viewers don't know, Trevor, Ben, and I do a separate podcast called the 5 Seconds Fame Podcast, where we talk every single week about the Big Brother season. Um, so if you, by chance, are a Big Brother fan and you're listening to our podcast here, I highly recommend checking that one out because it's absolutely fabulous. We have a ton of fun doing it. I mean, it's 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 I, behind the small balls. It's my second favorite pa- podcast to do, wouldn't you say, Trevor? Yeah, I agree. Second favorite for sure. Because um, you know, obviously, this podcast is this is this is our this is our baby here. This podcast we've been doing this one for for over two years. Uh, but the Big Brother podcast or the reality TV podcast is wonderful. Five seconds of fame. Uh, if I remember, I'll link it in the description. Everyone should check it out. But the Big Brother season so far, I mean, we're only a couple days in, and I've been loving it, you know, without giving away anything, um, because we, we all look into the spoilers and stuff. But I've been loving it, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Would you agree, Trevor? Yeah, I mean, the cast is fantastic. Great I just, cast. I just really like a lot of the people, so, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, as a collective unit, this cast is absolutely fabulous. There's, there's very, very, very few people that I have even a dislike towards. Um, I really, really enjoy it. But we have a fun episode planned for today. It's definitely going to be a short one, not an enormous amount in the sports world. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll start it off today with USA Basketball. Yesterday, we saw USA Basketball lose. Yes, I did say that. Lose to Nigeria, 90-87, to um, which is a uh, it's rough to see. Um, and as like you hear it and see the tweets and stuff, you're like, wow, that's really, really bad. But they didn't play with like half the guys they're actually bringing to Tokyo. So, I mean, they definitely should have won the game. Don't get me wrong. You know, a team with Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, Draymond. Like, they should win. But, like, they only have, like, eight guys or nine guys that actually were going to play in Tokyo. And there was guys that got minutes. Like, Darius Garland and Sadiq Bey got minutes for the Team USA. Like, it's probably not going to happen. I mean, those guys aren't on the team for Tokyo. So, I'm not, like, overly worried. But, Trevor, some of your thoughts, like, I mean, I, I know we both didn't catch the game. I don't even know if it was televised. But um, some of your thoughts on, like, the stats that you see um, and how they played. Yeah, I mean, it was on TV. I, I didn't catch it, though. But this is just an exhibition. I think, you know, first off, we all have to remember that. Like, so, yes, USA Basketball lost to Nigeria, a team that um, I think I saw a tweet uh, like nine years ago, there was a box score with USA versus Nigeria, and the score was like 156 to 73 or something. And there was like, uh, I, I think it just showed like a picture of like Kobe and like a young Anthony Davis, like with the score like under it. And it's like how far, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Nigerian basketball has come, which, you know, just in a sense, like um, that is really good to see. I mean, uh, obviously, we've seen so many international players in general kind of come to the league, have so much uh, success already. Giannis, uh, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, you know, the list goes on, obviously. Um, so it's it's good to see that, you know, Nigeria now is um, the basketball development is just getting better and better. We're seeing, you know, more players in the NBA, more players having success in the NBA. Um, and so that's good to see. Um, it's also good to see as a Miami Heat fan, because although Bam was on the USA team, um, we had Precious Achua, Casey Akpala, and um, Gabe Vincent all playing from the Miami Heat that were on uh, the Nigerian team. And Gabe Vincent, just in particular, had uh, 21 points, shot very well from three, and that was good to see. Um, I, I saw a joke, uh, I think it was from Rob Perez on Twitter last night, who said, 
you know, the USA uh, men's basketball team just got beat by the Miami Heat's load management squad, and I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so uh, I, I would say a win for the Miami Heat. Um, but, yeah, just back to the USA men's basketball. Yes, there were some players that aren't necessarily going to be part of the squad. Once we actually get into the more important games, obviously Darius Garland, Sadiq Bey, you know, they, they're not going to be on the squad. Um, and, you know, you'll have players like Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard getting more minutes. I mean, both of them played around 28, 29 minutes. You know, once we get into more important games, they're going to be playing a lot more. And, you know, you also can look at just like Nigeria shot really well from three in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, they hit, I believe, 23 pointers. Yeah, they shot 40 um, So that's a big factor. You know, when you have um, a team that, you know, is at a disadvantage maybe athletically in terms of, you know, other skill sets, if you can hit a lot of threes, that can kind of be the way to um, – kind of overcome that so really good to see from Nigeria on the USA basketball side obviously you you don't want to lose in general um, but not too concerned with this yeah I I don't think this is the end of the world I think people are going to blow this out of proportion and you know we'll see in a couple weeks Team USA is going to start winning by 50 again um, to every team they play I mean this is it's going to be an uphill battle for anyone that plays them you got too many it's not even just that they have too many NBA players they have too many all-stars on their team you know um, but we'll, yeah. we'll move this along um, to go into a little bit of NBA draft talk. You know, we're, we're going to have a full-fledged portion of an episode at the very least, maybe even a full episode on the NBA draft that's coming up. We got this in, what, two weeks or two and a half weeks, Trevor? Yeah, it's coming up on uh, July 29th, so a little over two weeks now. Yeah, uh, for almost three weeks. Or no, yeah, yeah, we, whatever, yeah. 20 days, whatever it is. I don't know what day it is today. Um but, uh, Trevor, some of these guys, you know, that, that really speak to you or anything, any comments you want to make um, on the, the upcoming draft? Yeah. So or just any in news. General, I, I, we've got, like, the Pistons wanting to trade out potentially, you know? Yeah. So I think just in general, the, the first part of this is um, the uh, – and we talked about this last week on our episode – the deadline for players to decide on whether they're withdrawing from the NBA draft or staying was July 7th. So now we have seen the last couple notable players like Johnny Juzang, who is deciding to stay at UCLA. Um, we saw one of, you know, one of our, one of the players that we constantly, you know, look at for and wish him all the success, Jason Preston. He is remaining in the NBA draft. Yes, sir. Um, good to see, you know, he's been in a lot of the mock drafts I've seen, he's been in the second round. I see like in the forties, maybe the fifties range, so will be interesting to see uh, where Jason Preston goes if he gets drafted. I really hope he does. And it seems like, based on what I'm seeing and, and hearing, I've listened to a couple podcasts, it seems like he's going to be a second-round guy. So I hope that's the case. Um, definitely wish him all the success watching him over the past few years at BG. He's definitely a player that I've always noticed and been like, man, this guy, he, he just you know has so many different uh, – he just has a lot of different skills, skills that he – can bring to the table as far as, you know, his passing ability, his shooting, um, you know, driving to the, to the basket. Obviously, I think he's like six seven something like that. Um, you know, so as like a six seven point guard coming in, I think that's very intriguing, um, you know, for where the league is today. So that's good to see. Um, and then, yeah, there has been a little talk about the Pistons potentially trading back. Mm-hmm. I personally don't really buy into it that much. I think that um, they will still take Cade Cunningham. I think that's what they should do, um, barring they get some kind of amazing offer. But you know, they're I don't I don't think they get any offer that's worth giving up, uh, Cade Cunningham. So I, I think they stay there. They take Cade. 
Um, and I think that's what they should do. You know, I, I really think Cade is going to be a really solid player. He's a good shooter, a uh, good passer. I just think he brings a lot to the table um, as far as that goes. And then some of the other guys that I really like in this draft, and again, when we do our actual preview, I'm going to get into more detail with some of these other guys. But obviously, we talked about him a lot, you know, during the college basketball season, during the tournament, Davion Mitchell. He's my favorite player in this draft. I absolutely love him. I just love, uh, you know, his work ethic, uh, his mentality, the way he plays, uh, attacking the basket. Yes, he is a little bit older, um, but I don't care. Um, to me, I think kind of the... Um, the, the way that age is talked about and how like certain guys, they, they get knocked for their age. I think it's a little overblown. I think it's almost swung, uh, too far as far as like, oh, this guy's 23. Like, therefore he should not be a lottery pick. It's, I think we've went a little bit too far on that stuff. So I really like Davion Mitchell. Um, another guy in particular that I wanted to point out is James Booknight, uh, shooting guard from UConn. I also really like him, just the, the offensive uh, talent. I feel like there's a little bit, uh, and again, this is a little bit of a high compliment here, but I think there's a little bit of Zach Levine in his game. Um, so really liking James Booknight and just his overall scoring ability, some of his athleticism. Um, and yeah, I mean, we have, we have a lot of other guys here that have a lot of talent, so it's going to be interesting to see where they uh, go. Obviously, Jalen Green's been a very popular um, uh, player, he's he should go in the top four for sure. Um, I definitely want to see a lot more from him, and that's that's one of the guys that I'm going to be you know watching a lot of highlights for in the next couple weeks leading up to the draft because you know obviously my focus you know during January March or January February March is on college basketball. It's not on you know watching G League games. So definitely need to look into more of Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, some of these other mm -hmm. G League players. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see leading up to the draft. Yeah, I I think for the, the Pistons rumors, I actually don't buy into them too much either. And here's here's why. I think every year you got to ask yourself, is, is the topic in this draft going to be a future superstar? And if he is, there's no reason to ever trade out of that first pick. However, if you can answer that question that uh, maybe he's not going to be you know, a future superstar, then there is a reason to trade out of that first pick. However... Kate Cunningham's going to be, I mean, a star in the league. I, I have a lot of faith. At 6'8", playing guard, you know, he's going to tower over some other point guards. Um, so I, I think, you know, being able to use that size, and of course, you know, he has an amazing skill set, he's going to be a wonderful player in the NBA. And I actually do think we have, maybe not like the deepest draft of all time, but we have players in this draft that I think are very solid and could be really, really good role players in the NBA. You know, a lot of like Moses Moody's, Franz Wagner's, Davion Mitchell, who I also love. You know, we, we got players that are going to be, you know, some of these semi-high picks, you know, late lottery picks that could be really, really, really solid players. So I actually have a lot of hope for this draft. I feel like our last couple drafts have been pretty disappointing. Um, and I, I, I feel like we're going to get uh, some some good play from the players selected in this draft. So I think we'll have a really, really good draft come, what is it, July 27th or 29th, whenever it is. Um, but we'll have to see. Any final thoughts on the draft, Trevor, before we move on to uh, the highest level of basketball there is right now? No, I mean, I, I think that's about it. Um, definitely going to be interesting to see, again, like I said, uh, where some of these guys land, and I'm excited to talk about it more here leading up to the, the draft. So next up, and uh, like I said, today's going to be a shorter episode, uh, but next up in our last topic, we have the NBA Finals, of course. Suns, Bucks, Suns are up 2 nothing. Last game is 118-108. to um, a little, you know, it's it's been a little rough for Giannis and the Bucks. The game before was one eighteen to one hundred five. 
Um, Trevor, your thoughts on this series so far um, and how you anticipated ending. Well, what do we predict? The, the Suns in five? Was that what we predicted? Um, I think you might have said Suns in five. I said Suns in six. Okay. So, so yeah, I, I am going to stick with that. I still think it will be Suns in six. I wasn't surprised that the Suns won both games. But I still think that the Bucks will get two here, potentially even three. I, I don't think we can count the Bucks out yet, um, just from seeing how you know we've seen a lot of series go in the past. Obviously, Brooklyn went up 2-0. You know, now obviously injuries happen. That's part of the reason why Milwaukee came back. But we also saw like the Clippers; they went down 2-0 twice, I think, or, or maybe three times actually, and they they didn't lose until uh, the the conference finals. So. I, I, you know, hesitate to speak too soon about, about like, counting a team out now after uh, kind of learning my lesson from that. But just looking through these first two games, I think game one, um, you know, was interesting from the standpoint that, you know, it's always, I, I think the main thing that I constantly am looking for is, like, how are the Bucks um, as far as their defense, how are they going to guard the pick and roll? How are they going to deal with Chris Paul and Devin Booker? How are they going to deal with, um, obviously DeAndre Ayton and, and some of his, some of the things he can do, you know, rolling to the rim and stuff and how, how are they going to guard them? So they had two different approaches kind of in these first two games in game one, it seemed like it was more of a, like, okay, we're going to, you know, kind of give up the the mid-range jumper to Chris Paul we're going to kind of give up the mid-range jumper to Devin Booker we're going to try to take away um obviously because Chris Paul he's one of the best passers in the game we're going to take away some of these threes from guys like you know Jay Crowder and Macau Bridges stuff like that and we're, we're just going to kind of hope maybe that Chris Paul can miss some of these mid-range jumpers and we're going to try to play under the screen uh stuff like that did not work very well um Chris Paul had 32 points in that one obviously very strong performance um and obviously Giannis, he played. He didn't play a ton of minutes that game. Um, you know, the twenty, he had thirty. He played thirty-five minutes. You know, and you were kind of relying on Chris Middleton a lot, and you were hoping that you know maybe Drew Holiday can give Middleton enough help, or maybe you can get something from you know some more from guys like PJ Tucker, Brooke Lopez, uh, Bobby Portis. But they didn't have enough because the Suns, you know, just played so well. Chris Paul, um, just a, such a stand-up performance. And then game two. Um, what kind of switched was now you saw Drew Holiday really fighting over the screens, especially early on um, in Game 2. Obviously, that kind of disrupted Chris Paul's rhythm a little bit more. You could see kind of, I think he turned the ball over a couple times. I think he dribbled off his foot like very early in that game. And it was like, okay, Milwaukee, yeah, they're bringing up the defensive pressure. I like this. Um, now, you could see pretty quickly after they went on that little run early, that, you know, these guys like Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, they were getting really good looks from three. Like, Jay Crowder had a couple pretty open shots. Uh, he made a few of them. I think he had three threes in the first half. Uh, you saw Cam Johnson, who, you know, when when you give him enough space, he's he's proven uh, that he can knock him down. Um, and then Macau Bridges obviously had a really good game in game two, really stood out because he had some more of those opportunities. Um, so it's kind of like pick your poison. Like, do you want to hope that the role players miss threes um, and just contain Chris Paul and Devin Booker as much as possible? Although Devin Booker actually kind of started to get it going in the second half once it seemed like Milwaukee's pressure let down, seemed like they got a little more tired, and then they started kind of rolling. And obviously they were very hot from three. So it's it's really a tough it's really tough for Milwaukee to decide. Okay, which approach? 
should we go with? Um, I personally, if I had to lean toward one of those, I lean toward the second one the best as far as like making the others beat you, making Jake Crowder, making Macau Bridges beat you. But it definitely is a tough call because as these guys have shown, they can knock down some threes and it's not like it was just that game either. I mean, they had uh, some performances against Denver where they were shooting really well. You know, so it's not like the Suns are by any means like a limited three-point shooting team. They're a very good one. They may not be like the Utah Jazz or the Clippers if you give them open looks um, or, or like the Warriors teams of, of past years, but they're really solid, or even the Atlanta Hawks. But, yeah, so they're really solid. Um, in Game 3, I do expect, which is tonight, by the way, if you're listening to this, then likely Game 3 has already happened. Um, but I think that the Bucks will probably win Game 3. Um, I expect that Giannis will get more help in this game. I expect that the role players will play better at home. You'll get something, I don't know, maybe Burke Lopez uh, can kind of dominate the paint, which is something that he really needs to be doing, especially because, uh, you know, Phoenix has some of these smaller lineups. Like Dario Saric, he's out uh, with an injury, which can hurt Phoenix. That that can actually matter um, because outside of DeAndre Ayton, you know, you're relying on guys like Frank Kaminsky, to guard some of these big guys, or or Jay Crowder, who is obviously you know a few inches shorter than uh, a guy like Brook Lopez. So I look to see Brook Lopez dominate in the paint. They need to get the ball to him. He's capable of you know um, you know with some post moves in the paint. Obviously, he can shoot threes as well. So I could see a big Brook Lopez game tonight. Yeah, I think he had 33 in one of those games in Atlanta. I could see something like that happening tonight. Um, even Bobby Portis, another guy who's very capable of doing uh, different things, you know, off the dribble. Even with his size, he can beat guys off the dribble. So I look for that, and I do expect uh, the Bucks to win Game Three. But Brandon, I, I wanted to get some of your thoughts. And do do you agree with me? Do you think that that the Bucks will bounce back and win tonight? Um, I I see where you're coming from. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but I see where you're coming from that the role players are gonna play better because right now it's Giannis against the world. I mean, this man's doing as much as he can, and nobody is really helping him at all. Uh, he, he was plus three in the plus minus. Everyone else is in the minus uh, amongst his whole team. I mean, they're really only playing at this point like seven guys. Bobby Portis had five minutes. Uh, Forbes had six minutes. But besides that, Teague and Connaughton at 12 and 34, respectively, and their starters had a lot of minutes. They're not playing a lot of guys. Um, so, I mean, it really is Giannis against the world at this at this point in time. If the role players step up and can play semi-decent they could pick up a game or two, but I think the Suns are going to be too much. You know, I I don't know if they're going to bounce back tonight, but to me, I still have the Suns in five. I, I still do. I, I don't know how many games um, the, the Bucs will be able to play at, like, the top of their game. You know, it seems like the Suns could even not play at the top of their game and still come out with a win, uh, depending on how these role players in Milwaukee play. For me, Suns in five, I'm sticking to it. I've, I've been pretty right about these, these playoffs moving forward. I said at the beginning that no matter who it is, it's going to be whatever team is the healthiest. We're not going to get the best two teams this year. And as you see, the Lakers hurt. They got out. The Nets hurt. They got out. You know, we just see these teams in the Suns and Bucks are the two healthiest at the end of the year. And they're, they're in it. So, in, in my opinion, I see it, you know, ending relatively soon. We'll have to see, though. I don't know. We'll have to see. Any final thoughts, Trevor, before we kind of wrap up this short little update episode of uh, the podcast yeah. this week? I think one other thing to mention is just the Drew Holiday uh, kind of piece of this. Obviously, they added him in the offseason. They gave up, I think it was like four picks. Like, they kind of just threw the whole uh, kitchen sink, you know, to try to get Drew Holiday thinking, okay, he will be the piece that puts us over the top. He will be the guy that, like, puts us over the edge and will win a championship. Well, this is kind of when 
he needs to prove that he, you know, it, unfortunately, I mean, he didn't decide the trade. Like, it's not like Drew Holiday saying, Oh, like you give, give the Pelicans four picks to get me or something. Like, it's not like it's up to him, but unfortunately that's kind of how we're looking at it now. Like comparing him to Bledsoe and seeing, all right, how much is his impact is going to be? And he has underperformed, which is unfortunate. You know, he hasn't shot that well really in either game. Um, his defensive impact was better in game two, obviously on Chris Paul fighting over some of the screens. Um, but it's, it's really tough. He has to contribute more on the offensive end. Um, obviously, you know, there's just too many possessions where Drew Holiday is, is taking pull-up threes um, that are contested. They need more ball movement on the offensive end. Drew Holiday needs to, I think, attacking the basket is, you know, a lot of the time his best chance to score. And then also that can allow him to kick out for others once they adjust. So, like, He'll have this little spin move when he drives in that uh, has been very effective at times. He had one early in game two, just does this quick little spin move, gets to the basket, little finger roll. That's something that can be effective. And then, you know, if he does it once, then the defense adjusts. Then you swing it around. Maybe you get an open three after that. Maybe you can get Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Bryn Forbes, who, Bryn Forbes, by the way, is supposed to be a really good three-point shooter. He has not been shooting well. So maybe we'll see more of that. I think, uh, you know, if Drew Holiday can do that kind of like a drive and kick approach, uh, get some baskets at the at the rim, then maybe we could see more open looks from three. And then obviously you, you do have to count on guys like Bren Forbes, uh, mm-hmm. Pat Connaughton to knock those shots down. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens tonight. We'll see um, how they decide to um, attack the Phoenix defense because obviously Phoenix has done a very good job on both sides. I mean, Phoenix just overall, regardless of injuries or not, yes, I don't think they are the best team, even though I do think they're going to win the finals. However, they have proven um, that they are a very well-rounded team and they've, they have exceeded my expectations this year of what I expected from them in the playoffs. Um, so, so that's good to see. And yeah, I mean, I think that think that's about it it'll be interesting to see if milwaukee can bounce back and i hope they do because i would like to see a really good series yeah and i i agree i hope that they can come back i do want the suns to win as we've talked about on the podcast but i i hope that they can make it at least a slightly better series um but i i think we'll end the 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 short little update episode there for today um, of course, thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate all the support that's been given to our, all of our podcasts. Uh, of course, follow the Small Ballers at the Small Baller on Twitter, or click the link in the description so you know when all of our episodes go live. We will have another Five Seconds of Fame episode talking about Big Brother out this Friday at noon Eastern. Um, so definitely check that out after Thursday's eviction. Um, we, I promise you guys you'll like the episodes. Definitely go check them out and check Big Brother out, which is on CBS. Um, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Go Falcons.